Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Willie J. Laws. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. Your voice is like an angel above The touch of your hand drives me insane But baby, I wants to be loved I praise about all the things you do I even cherish your hugs Your kiss is so sweet, ooh, they can't be beat Baby! I wants to be loved Every time I ask you for a date Won't come at all on your mighty lady yeah. I ask you to dance One little spin you tell me The wait a minute daddy Daddy here comes my friend's eye I love the way you walk when you pass me by I wants to be loved, loved Just a little bit A little bit more I like your love Y'all do this Oh, 
since you've been on the show and we always start things off by giving our fans the opportunity to get to know who you are both as an artist and as a person uh, and mm-hmm. the best way to do that is through your journey the story that that's brought you to this point in your career so give us the story of Willie J. Laws I'll give it to you in a nutshell here okay. born, and ra- born and raised in South Texas a uh, little town outside of Corpus Christi, Texas. I grew up with uh, 
a lot of different genres of, of mostly American roots music. Um, you know, the, the Spanish uh, uh, Tex-Mex Conjunto music, Tejano, as well as Zodico, and then, you know, the staples of blues and country. Um, you know, growing up and, and, and having those music uh, accessible to me at that young age was very cool, and it, it I guess it, it planted the seed, uh, so to speak, that grew into grew into the artist that I am now. Okay. What, and that was, I'm going to tell my age, but that was well over 50 years ago. So. Hey, you know, I am a guy of a certain age myself, so, you know, <laughs> I've been around a little while. Um, now, let's talk about this new release. When uh, you were getting ready to put this together, what was the story behind this? What was your inspiration to put this particular release together? Well, actually, just, it really came from my producer, Paul Nelson. Oh, yeah, I know uh, Paul. Okay. Yeah, Paul produced it. And and uh, uh, it was at the, we recorded it at, at the music room, which is a place that he's uh, he's involved in, which is, is uh, on, on Cape Cod in, in West Hyannis, Mass., which is on Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we, my, my band, we, we had done a couple of shows there, and Paul was there, and this was like, I, had never, I hadn't met him prior to that. And uh, I, I think I saw him a couple months later, and I said, hey man, uh, you wanna produce this next record? And he goes, well, I already thought about that the first time I heard you guys. I said, oh, cool. So I went over, you know, we're both working and touring, and, and he's doing a lot of touring, and I was doing a lot of local work. And finally, though, as it last summer is when we really started working on it, and we were we were working on it remotely. A lot of these, a lot of uh, most of the ninety percent of that is remote recording. Uh, bass player uh, Dave Johnson, he was down in Florida. Uh, Brooks Millgate. Uh, is in uh, is in uh, up on the North Shore here, just north of Boston. Um, the drummer Justin Blackburn, he's in Connecticut, and uh, uh, I have not met these guys yet. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Brooks in a couple of months, but everybody else I have not seen, other than uh, me, Paul, the engineer. Uh, Jerry Portnoy came and, and played on Sorry Charlie because he lives right down the road from the studio down there. So he was kind enough to come in and and uh, and do the harmonica solo on uh, Sorry Charlie. But other than that, and this has been a, this record has been a very weird journey, and it all started out with the guitar and the click track, and, and the songs. Of course, I had the songs. I you know I had a lot of the songs written. Uh, Bruce, my keyboard player, Bruce Matson, he wrote Better Off Blue. And, you know, that's a song that we're starting to put into the repertoire. But everything else was pretty much I wrote a few years ago, and a couple of them I wrote uh, right after the, the George Floyd incident, the George Floyd murder. Um, knee off, gets me off my neck. That was definitely written right after that. Love Before You Die was that. I, I wrote that a while ago, and then 
it just really took took form after my after my little brother passed away just this at the at the beginning of uh, or at the end of last year he passed away uh, just oh I'm so sorry to hear that yeah so that you know that that song after that you know that it, uh, it just took on a a whole different meaning for me and uh, you know so this record has been <laughs> quite the journey for sure and, and today I just got the RMR report it, it's up on number 8 contemporary blues okay and, and shooting up so now wow. let's talk a little bit about you as a songwriter um, huh? let's talk about you as a songwriter um, when you sit down to begin that process wh- what is kind of your mechanism that, that allows you to tap into the muse uh, you know your process what do you do do you mean do you sit there with a pen and paper or a guitar or do you kind of um, have some sort of ritual like you write every day What what is your process you know, some people have that, those rituals like that. Well, I gotta write every day, and I, gotta, you know, and which is cool. And I, I have done that. Um, it comes for me. It could be a, any a number of different things. Sometimes I'll get the, a beat in my head, or sometimes I'll get the rhythm, uh, the melody, and then I'll go grab my guitar. Uh, or a lot of times it'll be the words because I do write my songs, so a lot of times the words are coming to me, and then I'll, I'll write the words down, and sometimes it'll be in like a total nonsensical form for anybody that's reading it, but I know what it is, and and I, I just, I'll decipher and make songs out of these different phrases or, or different, you know, things that I come up with, or sometimes things that I hear. You know, I could hear people in conversations, and and sometimes I'll let my imagination run away with me. And but I write them down, or I just I I, I, I commit them to memory until I can write them down. And they and then the song eventually songs start to kind of slowly form. But this last project, it just really just you know it took a year, but it was a fast year. It was a very, very fast year, unlike some of my other projects, where you know, and and being independently uh, produced, sometimes you got to get stuff out quickly. A lot of things will, you know, slide under the radar, mistakes and different things like that. A lot of things that a producer would would not let go or would not, you know, would not let happen. So. And in the respect of having a producer, I'd never really had one before, and I couldn't have asked for a better one. But Paul, totally a lot of trust there, and it was very, very easy to trust him and trust his vision for the songs that I had. Okay, now you know, uh, technology has really brought us some interesting tools for the songwriter. You know, the cell phone for capturing ideas or even a home recording studio, the kind of layout structure and so forth. What are some of the tools that you have found to be indispensable to you as a writer? Right now, I'm, I can tell you I'm, I'm using for my interface. I, I use a, a Presonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Presonus. Um, 
interface that I use and and I I get a lot I put a lot of my ideas down. I can do the pre-production, a lot of pre-production stuff on it. And and so that's for me right now as a writer, that's kind of like an ind- indispensable tool that I use for my for my music. Okay. And and plus, I mean like I said, like I did with this last thing, I could have people you know, just just you know, uh, mail me a file of of whatever you know we're doing. Just mail me the file. I drop it in. Boom, we're rolling. We're on the way. Yeah, yeah. That's what I love. That I love. You know, that part of the the, the process I do love, but it's it's still. Man, it's still nothing like going in and cutting it live on the wood. Everybody right there in the room, in time, in tune, song down from the top to the bottom. And that, you can't beat that. That is truly where all the magic is created. You know, and the technology is wonderful. It's wonderful, wonderful. But it, it you just can't beat that, 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 that. Being live with everybody right there on the wood is just the the most incredible experience, and that's kind of the way it started. You know, recording and music, being right there in the room and doing what you do—that's the way it started. And there's, you know, there is a lot to be said for the basic. You know, just just a stripped out, just salt and pepper. Salt and pepper goes a long way sometimes. Yep, and that's you need. That's all you need sometimes. Now, you know, one of the uh, big buzzwords in the industry today is artificial intelligence. And there are some AI tools for the songwriter that can help you write lyrics, melody, bass lines, even chord structures. Um, And it's, you know, as much as we may want to rail against it, it's here. And it's not going away. Um, It's not going away. Nope, not going anywhere. Uh, even Ed Sheeran has admitted on a radio interview that he utilizes some of these AI lyric tools as idea generators. Where do you think artificial intelligence is going to take the music industry as we move forward? Um, I would like to remain optimistic and hope that it take, takes us, you know, to 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 uh, uh, a more equitable level for for the people that create because you you gotta know you gotta remember one thing about AI it's only it's only whatever's being put into it is how it's generating it's how it's doing whatever it does right so let's say for instance. If you just stop creating something, well, guess what? What does AI have? If all the people just say, you know what, fuck this. I'm not, excuse me, I didn't mean this because I don't know if you no, have to No, 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 don't worry about it. We don't have FCC worries here. Oh, that's so good. Thank you. So, so people just a, a writer when they decide, decide to say, you know what, fuck this. I'm not creating shit. And all the writers and all the musicians just say, fuck this, we don't like AI. We're not creating shit. And everybody just stopped, which is not going to happen. But just, let's say, just hypothetical, imagine. 
if that did, then what would that have? What would AI have? Because it only feeds off what we give it. Mm-hmm. So what would it have? You just if we stop feeding it, it will have nothing. Okay. We're going to stop feeding it. No. So, so where do we go from here? Man, I don't know. But and and it's so it's it's really messed up because a lot of people can't can't discern the the fake from the what's real anymore. You know, so it's it's um I don't know. Hopefully it makes people's lives better. It makes our lives better. Uh for everyone. But I mean, anything that a man has created, I'm I'm always uh, kind of leery and skeptical of. So, okay, because I haven't seen too much, too much. I've seen a lot of good with medical technology and a lot of different technologies that have advanced us in certain ways. But you know, still, we're still kind of stupid. <laughs> 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 I don't know if we can handle it. it. Might be too much power for it. <laughs> and that's that's my AI story, Richard. Okay. Now you know uh, a lot of songwriters they struggle with when to stop, when to put the pen down. Mm-hmm. When you're writing a song, what is your quantifier? What do you do to determine when a song is ready? To kind of move to that next phase of its life, let it, you know, give it to the producer and the band. Um, what do you do to determine that moment? Um, well, most of the songs, like I say, they, they, they take shape almost like this baby form and then they grow. And we just start playing them. You know, the more we play them, they, they, take, they take the form and, then, and I feel like, okay, man, this is this is cool. This is a nice. This is a nice form, and I, I can relax in the vocals. I can relax into the playing, and you know, to, when it gets to that point where I can relax into it, and and you know, really put, then I know it's coming out of me then because I'm relaxed as I'm doing it, and that's for me. That's my point. That's when I know. But that's not to say that it won't like morph into something else once it once it gets to that point where I'm relaxed then it starts they take on just like these little nuances not big differences but especially when we're performing them live because if you when you come see us live don't don't expect us to to uh, uh, you know sound exactly like we recorded it of course it'll be true to the form but because we play it live and we feed off the energy of everybody so the the music it, it's like it's living in that moment when it's live it's in that moment living and, and the energy that we're getting from people you know feeds that music or feeds that song and that song would you know morph because of the energy and it would, that's why it's different every time but it'll always be true to form. So when I when I'm relaxed in, in the new song, when I start to relax, that's when I know. Like, all right, man, okay, let's do this now. Okay. Now, you know, you had mentioned earlier that you did a lot of this remotely where, you know, musicians were 
you know, spread across the country. But, you know, every artist has their way of, of capturing the sound that they want in a studio environment, getting that vibe on the song. When you work in that environment, what is your process that helps you get what you're looking for as that defining sound? Man, I just get what feels good. I get what feels good. I don't even care about the sound. I like feel. I feel more. Yeah, yes. I love you know sonic. What sonically for engineers and everything. That's cool. That's groovy. But that feel for me is everything. Because with that feel, the sound comes. The the the, the sound is all part of the way I feel. So that's how I know that it sounds whatever, you know, amp that I want sound, whatever uh, keyboards that I want, whatever, you know, if I want to, if I, if uh, Paul, Paul Nelson came in and bought it, he said, man, we're going to put a triangle right here. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, what is the triangle? But the, the triangle is grooving right there, you know? It's like, oh, okay, you know? So it, it doesn't matter to me, uh, um, uh, like, you know, I'm using, you know, the Fender Twin here or there. I'm going to use a Marshall because I want this kind of sound. Or I'm going to play my Fender Strat. Now, I did, for different songs, use my different guitars. Just because of the song. And, and I, like, I try to fill the song and, like, listen to the song and let the song tell, tell me what it wants if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Now, um, you're working with uh, Frank Rozak from Frank Rozak Promotions to kind of get it out there. Um, Tell me a little bit about that relationship. Well, it it, it, uh, it started through Paul. You know, through Paul Nelson. Okay. Uh, When he put this record out, he was like, man, you... You know, you gotta, you gotta, you you gotta go use Frank for this. I've never met Frank. These are, I'm dealing with people that I've never met other than Paul and the engineer. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Just a few people. So it's, uh, you know, it's been like I said, it's been a, cra- a, a crazy journey. You know, but Frank has, you know, uh, impeccable. Impeccable record in, 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 in the business, and you know this better than I do. Um, he's just a you know he's he's a, just a great great man, and I have a, a great deal of respect for him, and I'm so glad and happy that that he is a part of of, of this journey on Too Much Blues. Okay, so, that's how it through Paul. Now, you know the the I guess. The music industry itself has so dramatically changed. Um, you know, the consumer today has embraced streaming as a way to consume music. And it's kind of a double-edged sword for the independent artist. Number one, um, 
if you decide to not participate in you know this world of streaming um, you know if someone goes to look for you you become and they don't find you you become irrelevant um, and it's you know, unfortunate but that's just the reality there's you know 20,000 songs a week being put up on Spotify so you can easily get you know passed over if you're not in the mix yeah. And on this, oh, yeah. on the other side of that coin, streaming uh-huh. has really uh, been set up in such a way that is it impossible for an independent artist to recoup their investment in going into the studio recording a project. So it's right. economically not feasible to you know make any money off a recorded product anymore in fact recorded music has lost its status as a product in as a whole because people are not buying music they're only renting it how has yeah. this new technology and the and the perception by the consumer affected you as an artist well I'll put it to you like Snoop Dogg said. You got a million streams? He asked this question. Oh, you got a million streams? Yeah. You have a million dollars? No. Case closed. Mm-hmm. Case closed. Case closed. Back oh. in the day, you had product. Right. You sell that. You sell that product. That's money in your pocket. You can't sell streams. You can sell them, but at what? At point zero 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 point zero 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 point one six point zero zero percent. Where's the money? At least back in the day, even an independent artist, you had some product. You could at least keep a little money in your pocket, man. Oh now yeah. They don't even make CD players. They don't make CD players anymore. They, you know, it's almost like you're being forced. You're being forced, and like like cows, we're being driven to this. I, I don't know where, but it's somewhere I I, I don't think I want to go. You know, but it, I mean, just look around, look around. Yeah. No players. Uh, no, they put no record players, no tape players, no nothing where a person can go and and put some, their hands on something. And go home and, and listen to it. They got to turn on a fucking box, dude. And the box is watching them and listening to them. All of it. Crazy, huh? Yeah. I know crazy, but <coughs> it's reality. that's our reality now. Well, you know, and, and I agree with you. I, you know, the way it is set up now... Streaming is not a, a, a viable business model. It can, It's not sustainable. We can't continue to ask artists to do this and, and to record and to, and to create content and not compensate them for it. Um, and who's making all the money? Oh, it's the owners of Spotify. I mean, you know, the guy who owns Spotify... You know, he and makes more a week than the top 20 artists on his platform. You know, right. that's all the money. Yeah. You know, so unfortunately, that's where we are today. But fortunately, we know because of the timeline of the digital revolution that mm-hmm. 
it is constantly evolving and changing. You know, we started out with LimeWire and Napster, and then we moved to, uh, which everyone at that point says, oh, we'll never get rid of Napster. It's the Internet. It's forever. And all of a sudden comes iTunes and, and Apple, and they say, hey, 99 cent downloads, and you can buy these iPods and keep all your music on it. Uh, yeah. And everyone screamed, oh my God, Apple is in the game. They're going to own the music industry forever. You know, and where are those iPods now? They're sitting in the kitchen junk drawer collecting dust. Uh, because along comes Spotify, and you know we don't have to store it on an iPod. We don't have to store it on a shelf. We just have right. to call up, you know, pretty much anything that we want to listen to that's been recorded in the last hundred years. Um, so for the consumer, it's a no-brainer. You know, it's right. it's an it's an easy thing. You know, for ten fifteen dollars a month, you have access to all of this content. The problem is, is that it constantly is going to evolve. We're going to we're going to get something new down the line. And I've been watching the technology, and there is this new technology that's out there that promises to right the ship, to change the dynamics a little bit. Uh, the first one is is that there are streaming platforms that that have been developed that utilize the blockchain, that technology from cryptocurrency, as yeah. the driving engine. And one of the big advantages of this is, number one, is that nobody can own it. It is a decentralized system. So no company, no person can own this stream. It's owned by the users who... who use the um, the stream and the content providers that provide the content the artists themselves and they claim that they can pay up to 80% of the incoming revenue back to the artists because it's decentralized and because it is no, not based on a profit model what do you think of that as a potential future man Where's the link to this? Send well, me the link. Would you- yeah, it's Audius. Audius.co. That's one of the sites. Then there's Emanate. There's Audio Lux. Um, there's yeah, they're 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 popping up all over the place. Yeah. Now the other thing is that record companies have been traditionally in the in the business of screwing artists. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, let's face it. That's what they're in the business to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. So utilizing that same technology of blockchain, they, there's a site called Royal.io, and it's only one of many that are uh-huh. popping up. But this one, in particular, I've been watching uh, because um, it's got the backing of like Katy Perry and Jason Derulo and all those guys. And one of the rap artists, Nas, what Uh he did and what this site allows you to do is create these non-fungible tokens, these NFTs Uh that represent a portion of your streaming royalties, or your publishing royalties on your songs. 
And what Nas did is he made enough of these to cover one half of the streaming royalties on two songs from his last release. And he sold it to his fan base. And he was able to generate almost $600,000 in upfront income. Okay? Yeah. In addition to that, he had almost 3,000 fans that now had an economic interest in making sure that his music is streamed because they're getting paid. They're getting paid because they own these NFTs now. And on top of that, these are bought and sold on an open market. So if I bought one of these NFTs and I made a little money and I want to resell it now, Mm-hmm. Nas will get a commission on that resale price forever. For, you know, as for in, in perpetuity. So this is a way of your fans being able to buy stock in your, in their favorite song or as you as an artist, you know, so they can now have an invested interest in your career. Right. What do you think of that as a potential? Right, They're, they are they are in and they are in what's called A uh, and D. What record companies used to call their their A and R department, right? Artist and record. You, you are you are part. You are now part. Not only uh, 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 you know given to the arts, but you're you're also uh, uh, a, a part of developing that artist, it's keeping that artist developed. You want right. that artist to keep writing music and keep and keep putting out content. Well, and it's it's like a record company advance almost, you know, where you can your the your fan base now becomes your record company. Right. They're your investing base, in you. You're my boss. You you are my boss. Right. As are my boss, and I don't mind my fans being my boss. Yeah, well, the, your boss, no matter how you slice it, you know, they're the ones buying tickets, they're the ones streaming the music. So, you know, you know, we're all slaves to the to the fan base um, mm-hmm. in one way or another, mm-hmm. um, which is an interesting dynamic because if you look at how artists dealt with the pandemic... What happened was, is that once they shut touring down, the artists started thinking, well, we we need to stay connected to our fans. We need to do something. And they started doing live streaming on social media. And as the days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months, they started to get better at it. They bought better mics, better cameras, little switchers, and you know, the live stream events started to get very sophisticated. But as those months turned into years, they realized that the fan base needed more. They needed to see something different other than just the live stream. So artists started to give their fans a more reality show kind of content where they were showing their fans their daily lives their their puppies kittens and babies and barnyard animals um their hobbies you know Uh, right and what happened was is that 
we started to develop this world of content creation and funnel marketing on social media where give you an example mindy abar does a cooking thing with her husband and they have a line of their own wines so what happens is is that the top of their funnel they get people that like cooking they get people who like wine they get people who like um you know the comic uh, interaction between her and her husband and as they get into the top of the funnel they realize oh she plays music oh this is her music and they move down the funnel into the monetization and it's it's like this whole new way of marketing for independent artists where you start bringing a wide swath of people into the top of the funnel and distill them down to core fans that will support you monetarily. Um, what are some of the things that you are doing to kind of uh, get the word out, utilizing content and social media on this new release? Well, we brought my wife, Joan, pretty much, uh, pretty much uh, stays on top of a lot of my, the, our social media presence, you know, and like all of the ones that everybody uses, you know, right now, YouTube and, and the Spotify and the Facebook and, the, you know, everything. And, and uh, every once in a while, you know, I'll go on and do a live post. I have had people talk up, talk to me about doing a podcast and and uh, doing you know doing that. And I, man, I just got to tell you, I I really really have the time for it. I just don't know if I have the the motivation to really get into that right now because that. If I take when I take stuff on, I'm I'm like hyper focused on it, and 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 sometimes I'll I'll get into something and I can't stop, mm-hmm. and then others might fall by the wayside because I'm so hyper focused on this one thing. So in that respect, it kind of makes me afraid to get off into something else right now, especially with the new record being out. But you know, pushing the record. Um, you know, we got Frank and, and all the social media stuff that we're doing. Um, I haven't really been going on my Facebook live stuff. I'm doing my live streams. We live stream some shows, but I haven't really been keeping up my presence like I used to just because it, it seems like, you know, sometimes it seems like too much. Like when I say too much blues. Sometimes things can be, for me, sometimes things can be too much. It's like, too, it's just too much. It's too much. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Sometimes I, I like just kind of going my own way. I've never been a person to do what everybody else does, even if it sometimes means um, to my detriment, maybe financially. Uh, I like money just like anyone else. But it's not my driving force or my driving factor, because um, I'm I'm fairly comfortable in my life right now at this point. So, what what's driving me right now is is uh, 
being able to just make good music and hopefully hopefully making some making people happy helping them slow down and think about things and um i do like the idea though about this whole blockchain technology i really like that and i'm going to be investigating that as soon as we get to with this interview okay well not like the first time i've heard of it but it's the first time that that you you know you really uh went into detail about some things so well you know that's the, the thing about the blockchain when i first heard about it and i started looking into it none it of it made any sense stuff. you know right cryptos and it all had to do with the cryptocurrency right, right? well and all, not only that but even the nft world you know mm -hmm. if i had a million dollars i wouldn't spend it on a eight bit crypto punk or a crypto kitty you know that it just doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, I right. guess, you know, I'm an old guy, then I'm very pragmatic, you know, with my money. I wouldn't spend it on a non-tangible item like that. Right. But right. when you take that technology and you apply it to the music business in some of the ways that's, that it's being applied now, it just makes sense. You know, to allow your fans to become stockholders in you right. as a business, um, to create a streaming service that is not owned by a corporation, by that a corporation. it's owned by the artists and the fans, that makes good sense. You know? That makes sense to me. Yeah. Now, that's something to get motivated behind. Right. See what I'm saying? All this other Spotify shit, like that's what I'm saying. Like everybody else is doing this. Every if you're doing something that twenty other million, eighteen hundred eighty million people are doing, why in the hell would you want to do it? Because someone says that you have to do it. Yeah. Well, Am I making? Yeah, um, and you know the beauty is that you know, like take Audius for instance. You can go on Audius right now and put your music up there. You can go on your phone no matter what you have, Android or an Apple phone, and get an Audius player, just like Spotify. Um, you know, any of your fans can create an Audius account and listen to music on there. There's a whole bunch of artists up there now. Um, it's, it's the new thing that I think, uh, as the larger artists start to move over, the fan base is going to come with them. Come with them, exactly. So, and if you really look at it, because of the way that the, the digital revolution has timelined up to this point, it's inevitable that something new is going to be coming down the pike. And it does every five to eight years, we right. have something new. And this is the next new that I see coming. Wow. Now that sounds. Now that sounds. Mm -hmm. mm. That sounds great. Yeah, I think so. But you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's always a pleasure to have you on the, and talk to you. Uh, yeah, the last time we talked was during the pandemic, during lockdown. Yeah, it was a while. Yeah, it was a while yeah. ago. And, and and some of those songs from Too Much Blues were developed into it that, during that time. So. 
so these are this whole album is definitely a kind of a pandemic record i guess in a lot of ways okay uh, yeah yeah so a lot of those songs they started developing during that time except for the cover tunes of course oh yeah is, yeah well we'll all right. Well, you know, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this, man. You know what? Turn it up loud. Screw those neighbors. We're going to have some fun tonight. Please do. Making a scene. <laughs> there we go.
So don't be telling me that love's got you singing that sad refrain about a heavy ball on a short, short chain. Love's not all about pleasing you. Maybe you'd be better off nervous and lonely. Maybe you'd be better off. artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Make you shout now, honey. Gonna make 